All right, well, we've been talking about um, the, the division of the cross and, <clears throat> and how the cross is this gigantic boundary. It's a, it's a border between, um, well, between two universes. This is kind of the way I, I, whenever I try to describe what the cross divides, it's always bigger than any word I can come up with, and so I just, a lot of times I just default with universe because it's not just two men, it's not just two creations, it's not just two covenants, it's not just flesh and spirit and shadow and substance, and it's just, it's all of that and, and everything. Um, you know, it's the universe of Adam, a, u- a universe that is summed up in a man, everything for a man, about a man, uh, his day with natural light and his nature and his creation and his relationship with God. The cross is, is that division that, that puts that away from God and establishes a new everything. Um, all, again, summed up in one man. A new day, the day of the Lord. A day that he is the light of, and a day that he is the, the dawning of uh, in, in time and in our hearts. Um, and and so, so we've been looking at that division, as you can see from the diagram. And um, I, I probably will draw something on that eventually here. But uh, there's nothing there. Um, so we talked about how the cross divides between two different kinds of lives. And when I say two different kinds of lives, I don't mean a naughty life and a nice life. Uh, I mean that which is natural, the natural man, a man that sees all things according to natural senses, a man that learns everything according to a natural mind. Uh, a man that is a slave to self-preservation, a slave to himself. He chose to live that way, chose to be that way. A man who is, um, from God's perspective, uh, lives according to a law, and that law is the law of sin and death. That's the nature that works in that man. The other side of that divide is another kind of life, um, not a better version of the first, something completely different, something completely new. And, and this man is, is, is spiritual. He has one head and many members. He, uh, he sees things according to spiritual reality. He learns according to the spirit. He is a slave not to the law of sin and death, but another law. A law that the scriptures call the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and um, and so we started talking last week about how there's two different <clears throat> relationships. Your Bible is really the story, as I said, of the first and the second. There's two primary different relationships. There really is two. Um, I know there, and these are the old and the new covenant. I know there's other covenants that God made. God made a covenant with Noah. God made a covenant with Abraham. Though, though all of those are, 
well, in a sense, every covenant spoke of the new covenant. Every covenant was some, in some way a shadow, a picture of the new. But in every way, all of the old covenants were natural types and shadows. They were a covenant of shadows. Okay, they were a covenant of physical demonstrations about spiritual things. So it's whether, whether it's uh, whether it's Noah, and God destroying the earth and bringing one ark and all the life that is in that ark, raising it up, seating it on the mount, and and then and then bringing out from there a new creation under a covenant, a rainbow, a covenant where there is now no more condemnation for the earth. He swears he'll never destroy it. All of that. See, that's a picture of the new covenant, but it's but it's um, it's natural. He's the, the promises have to do with the earth. The promises are shown with natural signs in the heavens and natural promises about destruction and all that kind of thing. Same with the Abraham, the, the, the covenant with Abraham about his seed and the increase and the blessing and all of that again speaks of the new covenant. And the old covenant is so the, the Mosaic covenant is generally what we talk about when we when we mean the the old covenant and the Mosaic covenant in every way they, they just get they keep getting more detail they keep bringing up more facets of uh, this is going to totally fall more facets of uh, if this is the you know the, the that which is spirit and truth in Christ and this over here is. The types and shadows, and um, and so you have these covenants that God established. There's only ever been one covenant in the mind of God. There's only ever been one relationship that God has wanted to have. Um, there's, it's like in the story of Jacob. Uh, Jacob married Leah, who, in his opinion, wasn't terribly attractive, and she had bad eyes. Um, but he married her because he had another that was on his heart from the beginning. The first he dealt with in order to get the second. And that's that's obviously a sad personal story, but it's a bigger thing than a personal story. I mean, it's, someone's like, why would, why would God uh, use that story to speak of... Uh, uh, of something spiritual and eternal and real, it, 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 God is not making a commentary on the appropriateness of uh, polygamy or uh, or how he should have been nicer to Leah or anything like that. It, the point is, the story does portray something in the natural realm of of a, of a spiritual reality, and so and what you see there is the two covenants. God has always had one relationship in His mind. He's always had one thing in His heart. And and, uh, and and yet for a time there was there was um, two there, well there was there was what we know to be the old covenant and we mentioned last week just to kind of review just to bring us back to the same page what's a covenant a covenant is is a, it's a relationship it's the, it's the nature of a relationship it's when two parties enter into a specific kind of relationship a relationship that has definition a relationship that has boundaries. Okay, um, what's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? Uh, you know, I, I mentioned this last week, but these are so common terms in the body of Christ, and yet they are, at least for me, complete mysteries uh, until I began to see this division, until the Lord began to work this division between old and new, first and second, in my heart, and make it a reality to my soul. Old and new meant nothing to me. It had to do with time, primarily. 
And there were some obvious things that were different about it when you read the Old Covenant versus the New, but uh, it was it, it, it was very meaningless to me. Um, and, and the reason that we don't know, honestly, uh, you could say it this way, the reason we don't know the difference be- between the Old and the New is because we haven't yet begun to experience the difference between what is old and what is new. Um, in these two covenants are two different ways that God relates to humanity in his son. Um, this is this is about the best way I can explain the old covenant in, in, a, in a short amount of time. The old covenant is a relationship of shadows. Okay? It's, it's, it's a way for God to have a relationship with the people through Christ. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. The old covenant was a relationship with the people through Christ, but through, not through Christ in spirit and truth, but rather through, through thousands of things that represented Christ to the Father. Both, you know, you could, you could draw it, uh, you know, here's a bunch of people in, Old Covenant Israel, here's a bunch of people in New Covenant Israel, which is the church. I mean, simply said, New Covenant Israel is the body of Christ. God God related to these people only when they were in the land and in covenant, only when they were walking according to God's understanding of this relationship. And every piece and fragment, if I can just draw it like this, every piece and fragment of this relationship that God created, whether it was the sacrifices or the priesthood or the feasts or the offerings or the king or the whatever it was, everything that God, the only way that God related to these people was within the boundaries of what he knew what he understood Christ to be. Does that make sense? So, so he dealt with physical blood and natural high priests and written commands and natural kings and physical altars and, 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 and veils and fire and all of these things. But all of these things weren't just things that were happening to a group of people that God chose. All of those things represented something in the earth of that which is eternal and spiritual in Christ. Every one of those things. So here, here God has a relationship with a people in Christ, but Christ is represented in this covenant and in multitudes of types and shadows and pictures and things that they had to walk out. Okay, But still, his relationship with Israel was Christ. And it's the same thing in the New. God's relationship with you and I now is... Is uh, is Christ, but it's Christ, and not in all the pictures and representations and physical demonstrations of these things, but all of those things now, as one man, as one life, as one son, as one resurrection, one spirit, one truth, one mind. All of those things have become, as as Paul says in Ephesians one, summed up in Christ, gathered up. All of these things that testified of Him have been gathered up and have become spirit and truth. And we now relate to God in Christ. But I I want you to understand something about the Old Covenant. There's nothing that God said to Israel 
that they had to do or not do, say or not say, go or not. Everything. Nothing was arbitrary. Nothing was a test of obedience. I mean, just a test of obedience. Nothing was, nothing was um, just because God said so. Everything about what God did with, with Israel, through all of the law, all of the commands, all of everything, was God's understanding, was God's view of them walking as a people in covenant, in Christ. And that's because nothing except... What, what, what came out of Egypt? Well, what came out of Egypt, God tells Moses in Exodus 4.22, go tell Pharaoh, go tell Pharaoh my understanding of this people. Go tell Pharaoh, let my son go. Israel is my son, even my firstborn. Let them go. And as soon as God, God brought up a bunch of people into, into one dead lamb, and that was the end of them uh, as Egyptians. That was the end of them as, as individual Adamites. And what came out in that morning in type and shadow, but what came out in God's view was a people that now related to him as the body of his son. That's what Old Covenant Israel was, the body of Christ. The body of Christ that, that represented Christ in every single thing that, that he commanded. And, and so, the, the, again, the priest and the law and the kings and the sacrifices, these all represented to God. In God's eyes, that was some aspect of his son being presented to him. Okay, this is going to be very important for us to understand because in this covenant we're doing the same thing, except it is now spirit and truth in the soul. What we are doing is presenting some aspect of His Son to Him, although it is no longer in the natural little pictures and types and shadows and outward uh, commands and, and things that that God used to deal with in the old covenant. God is looking for in, in us now. God is looking for the actual increase, formation, expression of what His the, the, the actual life of his son, the literal life of Jesus Christ. So when Jesus came and, and, and said, I didn't come to destroy the law, I came to fulfill the law, you see what he means is that every single one of these things, let's just say that this is Jesus here and draw it like that. Jesus says, I am. I am what? Well, pick a fragment. He's all of them. I am the high priest. I am the bread that came down from heaven. I am the vine, that, and, and you're the branches. I am the, I'm the shepherd that you read about back here. I am the king. You know, a greater than Solomon is here. I am the one... And, and, and every little, I am the sacrifice, I am the altar, I am the veil that's going to be torn, I am the Ark of the Covenant, I, I'm everything, I am. In fact, that's what, right before God tells Moses to go to Pharaoh and say, give me my son, let my son go, he says his name, he says, my name is I am. And that name didn't make much sense to them, at that time, because God had not described himself in all of these things. But there came a time when Jesus walked around, and, and if, especially if you read the, the book of uh, John, 
I forget how many times he says it, but it's 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 a it's a very large number. A lot of times in italics, you'll say it'll say in your Bible, "I am He," but it does. It's the italic word "He" is not there. It's just "I am." He just kept saying that, "I am, I am, I am, I am all these things. I am the I am." And so, um, when Christ came and and fulfilled the old covenant, he didn't. He didn't destroy it. He made it real because this was just the picture. This was just the shadow. This was just the demonstration. And this was the substance. This was the reality. And so he put it away. He made it obsolete. But that's not the same thing as destroying it. He didn't change his mind. He fulfilled his mind. Understand? He didn't change the plan here. He fulfilled the plan. He didn't change what righteousness was described by the law. He brought righteousness. He didn't throw away God's idea of a high priest. He brought that into a reality. All of these things that were physical, natural shadows um, became spiritual realities. And so the Old Covenant was this relationship that God had with a people, but it was a relationship that to God was like a sketch, okay? A physical... It's like if... Um, like if I was trying to 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 uh, make a, a picture for, I don't know, Willow. No, she's a little too young. Maybe Kaya, my my four year old. And I was trying to explain to him in a little picture. Here's how Daddy feels about you, you know. And then I draw these little things. See that little heart there? That represents how much I love you. And see that sunshine there? That's because you give me a warm, cozy feeling. And see this thing over, you know. And I just drew all these things in this picture to represent how I feel about Kaya and handed it to him. All, all that's that's all true. That's all nice. But all that I've done is given him something that represents something that is much more real than that picture. Okay, none of those things that I drew there are the relationship that I have with him. Are how I feel about him. They just all of them. They they point to something of that relationship. And so, for a time period, for what the Bible calls an age. Uh, an age, an age that came to an end. There was an end to that age, and there was a, a beginning, a consummation of a, an age that was to come. And all of that centers right around here. But there was an age that God said things like this, according to this relationship, build me a temple that represents my son. Okay, then there was a time when Jesus said, tear down that temple and I'll build you a new one in three days. Okay? There was a, a, a when God said uh, there was a time and age where God said act according to these laws that represent the nature of my son. But then there was also a time when when Paul said, Jesus said apart from me you can do nothing you don't have righteousness the flesh profits nothing and Paul said that if we walk in, by His Spirit we fulfill the righteous requirements of the law. Okay, there was a time when God said, kill this animal that represents my son's blood. And then there was a time when John the Baptist said, behold, there's the Lamb of God. That, you know, there was a time when, when uh, God said, wear these garments that represent you know, the, the, the mediating role of my son. And on and on we could go. Look at this glory in a, in a cloud or in a pillar of fire that represents my presence. In a physical demonstration, represents my, my presence in a physical place. But, but soon it will be entirely a different kind of presence, a different kind of indwelling, a different kind of relationship. The one, again, the one is the shadow, 
And everyone understands what I mean what I, what I mean when I say shadow. If you if you put a spotlight on me up against the wall, you could see things about me from my shadow, but you couldn't see the substance. You couldn't see the reality. You could see my movement and my shape and my size or things you know like that, but you could not. You couldn't. You couldn't. Um, you couldn't really know the substance from the shadow. You can only know things about the substance. It tells a story. It, t- it paints a picture. It draws a sketch. And God demanded that natural Israel, according to the flesh, which is a people who live in his son, he demanded that for an age, for a time, these people live out the, the, live within the boundaries of this covenant, the boundaries of Israel, the boundaries of that covenant, and carry out all of these different individual facets and aspects of what he would soon fulfill in his son in the fullness of time. And in fact, if any one of these people decided to break covenant and go out here, they were cut off from Israel or they were killed. Or That's because, because, uh, because this represents this. See, here... I, I, only in Christ. This is what the whole Old Testament. It, 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 this is what the whole Old Testament is about. In Christ is life and increase and blessing and prosperity and growth and and relationship and forgiveness and all these things that God has provided in His Son for Israel. When Israel breaks covenant, there is curses. There is death. There's, it's not because God's mean or mad or whatever. It's because God has a boundary to his relationship. Does that make sense? He has a boundary. He has he has a a a covenant relationship that as long as they relate in that covenant according to those things that speak of Christ, they experience the physical, natural increase, blessing, bounty, provision, all of that that is was going to be fulfilled and is now fulfilled in Christ. And so uh Okay, so he tells them, he says, he says, walk according to my understanding of Christ. And, and in Christ you will find life. And in Christ you will find blessing. And in Christ you will find peace and victory over your enemies. And, and all these things. Remember Deuteronomy where, where God's preparing a people to enter the land and start to walk in covenant because the first generation had been rebellious and wouldn't walk in covenant and wouldn't enter the land. He's telling them about what it means to, to, to walk in covenant with him. And he's telling them things like, look, I'm going to make this really plain. I'm setting before you today life and death, a blessing and a curse. Let me give you some advice. Choose life. Because in this covenant, in this son, God has given you everything. Draw God up here. God has given you everything that he is, everything that he can give, everything that he has provided for you in his son. Walk in that covenant. Don't step out of it. Don't marry yourself to foreign seeds. Don't, don't, don't step outside and worship foreign gods. Don't forget the things that God has told you to walk in. Don't do that. Because there's nothing outside of Christ except for death. In Christ, in the fulfillment, it is exactly the same way. The, the, the demonstration of the life and the demonstration of the death are no longer natural. You don't actually step outside of Christ and get hit by a bus in this covenant. The death is not in the flesh. The death is of the soul. The death is apart from God. The death is is the lack of life that is Christ. Okay? So, I don't want to get ahead of myself. In the Old Covenant, man was living 
in, in this relationship, man only had a, a, um, a picture of dwelling with God. I mean, God put a, a pillar of fire, a pillar of, of, uh, of, of smoke in the midst of a camp. That's, that's a picture of union or a picture of God dwelling amongst the people. But in reality, Adam, that man, the souls of man lived separate from God. Okay, man was not joined to God. Man was in the flesh. Man was serving a copy. This is the way you'll, you'll find this in Hebrews. You'll find this several times. I might look up a couple of verses here in a second. But man was serving a copy of a copy of the heavenly things, a copy of the of the spiritual things. Okay, uh, he was he was uh, um, serving a testimony. Let me just show you a couple of verses here. Hebrews says this, and uh, I think I can pull out a couple places here real quick. Hebrews 8. You don't have to turn there, but if you want to jot it down, you can. Hebrews 8, 5, I think. Okay, starting 4. For if he were on earth, he would not be a priest, since there are priests who offer the gifts according to the law, who serve the copy and shadow of heavenly things. As when Moses was divinely instructed to make the tabernacle, he, God said, See that you make all things according to the pattern that I showed you on the mountain. Well, what's the pattern? God commanded a pattern that was corresponding to the, to the fulfillment. Everything that Israel was commanded to do. God says that several times to, um, to Israel. Make sure you do this exactly according to the pattern that I showed you on the mount. There's a pattern. One covenant is, you could say it this way. I like this. I like the way this sounds. One covenant is the covenant of the pattern. The other covenant is the covenant of the, of the fulfillment. Um, Hebrews 10.1 says, For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of the things, can never with these same sacrifice which they offer continually year by year make those who approach perfect. It didn't actually accomplish Life. It just testified of life. It didn't actually accomplish forgiveness. It just testified of forgiveness. That's why Hebrews says, by the shedding of bulls and the blood of bulls and goats, there is no forgiveness of sin. It spoke of forgiveness. It spoke of life. It spoke of a kingdom. It spoke of a priesthood. It testified of it. But the substance was Christ. Um, Colossians. Couple verses popping in my head here. Colossians two. Um, sixteen. So then, let no one judge you in regard to food or drink. Now, that's not that's not talking about booze and caviar or whatever. That's talking about the the food and drink that they were allowed to or not allowed to eat as part of this testimony over here. Don't eat pork. Don't eat a catfish. Okay? Don't eat an ostrich. Could they eat an ostrich? I can't remember. Um, but so don't let anyone judge you in food or in drink or regarding festivals or new moons or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance is Christ. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to make this point. The old covenant is a covenant of shadow. The new covenant is a covenant of substance. 
The new covenant is a, re- is a relationship of, of, of spirit, of substance, of reality. We're not serving the shadows of Christ in earthly things and earthly commands. That's not what we're doing in this covenant. In this covenant, we are serving the life of Christ as part of his very body, as partakers of his actual spirit. 1 Corinthians 6.17, The one who has been joined to the Lord has become one spirit. And, and so we're not serving. Remember the hand analogy last week? We're not serving as one separate in the flesh. We are living as one joined in spirit. And so what is the nature? The nature of this relationship is a bunch of little physical, natural things that speak of Christ. The nature of this relationship, the new covenant, is a, a literal union of your soul to the resurrected Son of God. That's the relationship. And the nature of what it means to walk in that relationship, you cannot walk as one life as long as there are two contrary minds. And so growing up in Christ, abiding in Christ, Experiencing his life is not a matter of getting more of his life, as we've talked about, but rather, as Paul says in Philippians, let this mind be in you, which is also in Jesus Christ. So the nature of the relationship is union. One life, many members. You're not Jesus, but you are the body of Christ. One one view, one faith, one Father, one Spirit. You know these scriptures, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 8, a lot of different places. Uh And so we're no longer trying to to serve a a copy of spiritual things. That's another word I like for this this covenant. It's the covenant of the copy. It's the covenant of the pattern. We're We're not serving a pattern of these things out from ourselves. I mean... I'm going to try to do the law today. I'm going to bring my sacrifice today. I'm going to... That's not what we're doing. That's not part of this relationship. Okay? That was the shadow. We are, we are experiencing and manifesting the reality of all of these things as we experience and manifest the life of Jesus Christ in which, in whom, all of these things have been summed up. Okay? Now the problem is... I'm doing on time here. The problem is we don't understand the nature of the new covenant. Um, the problem is... And this is, a, this is a much bigger problem than, than I can probably explain in words. And so what I'm going to try to do here in a minute is just give you some examples just to maybe let the Lord deal with, deal with our hearts a little bit and some specific things just to kind of show us the general problem. Sometimes if the Lord is able to hit us with a specific huge misunderstanding, um, then, then we kind of open ourselves up more to be dealt with by the Lord. And, and, and we see that the problem is a lot bigger than we thought. And we humble our hearts. Um, but, you know, the problem is that all of this makes a nice little talk or a nice little sermon about how, oh, that's neat, God now relates to us in Christ, that's cool, and no longer shadows, that's great because I didn't really want to kill a lamb anyway, or, uh, yeah, that's, I'm glad. And then we kind of go our, our merry way, but the fact of the matter is we go our merry way completely ignorant 
of this relationship that God has with us in Christ. It's not something you learn about. It's not something that you, someone describes to you and you give a, a mental assent to. It's, it's not, it, that's not how any relationship works, especially a spiritual union of the Son of God to your soul. You don't just say, oh, thanks, I'm married. That's good to know. I Okay. Um, you know, marriage is a relationship that has experience, that has uh, union and, and lot shared life as the nature and, and growth of, of that relationship. We don't understand. It doesn't matter how many times we've read the Bible. This is not a relationship that God writes on stone in this covenant. You can't, you know, your New Testament is not the New Covenant. They're not the same. The New Testament describes the New Covenant in words, but the New Covenant is the relationship. I could never hand you a book and say, this is my relationship with Jesse. It's all in there. That would maybe be a decent description if I spent a lot of time on it, describing my relationship with Jesse, but my relationship with Jesse is something that is written on my heart. It is something that is that is stitched into my experience and my soul. Well, the relationship that God has with you in Christ is something that is, first of all, it is deep and as profound as God's view of Christ, and it is something that you only experience and know when the Spirit of God causes you to see understand, appreciate, and walk in that relationship. He must show it to you. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 2 is about. Paul says, look, we don't know the things that have been freely given to us by God. We have a problem. And I'm trying to describe these things to you, not with words taught by human uh, wisdom, but in words that are taught by the Spirit. But the problem that I'm having with you all is that, that, that the natural mind doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. But, he, but nevertheless, I'm trying to tell you things that, that, uh, that only God can reveal. And, and then he says that thing about, actually, it's a little before this. He says, the, no one knows the spirit of a man except for the, the, I mean, no one knows a man except for the spirit of the man that is within that man. No one knows God except for the spirit of God that is within God, that knows the deep things of God. And that is the very spirit that he has put in your soul, that he has joined to your soul so that you might come to know the things that have been freely given to you by God and his son. Okay, so here's what I'm saying in a, in a nutshell. It's not enough to know that God has ended the Old Covenant and started the New Covenant. If God does not, if God has not given room in our hearts to reveal the nature and reality and experience of the New Covenant, then we are going to still try to relate to God according to shadows. Shadows that are completely and utterly irrelevant to God. He doesn't even see them or recognize them. They are gone. They are as far away from God as the Adamic man is separated from God. They are as far away from God as the East is from the West. And yet, we present to God, in the ignorance of our unrenewed minds, we present to God things that he has no relationship with, that aren't part of what it means to be related to God and his Son. That's a really big deal. Give me an example. Well, no one is is uh, no one is that well. Maybe maybe not no one, but because there's a there's an imagination. I think for I mean almost any any conceivable idea, but there not many people are are still dragging bulls to and killing them or you know 
dressing up like high priests, although much of what you see in a lot of churches today when they are dressing up like priests is, is dragging the old into the new in some kind of imaginary way. But, but there's so many ways that you and I, whether we've ever put it in these words or not, are still attempting to relate to God according to a covenant that does not exist. For instance, we read books and we pursue teachings that tell us how to do the things that God wants us to do, how to live our lives for God. Instead of learning, turning our hearts to understand and, and see and grow in the fact that he has given his life to us that we would know and abide in and experience and express that, that life. Instead of realizing that what we called our life is the very thing that Paul said is crucify with Christ. We, we, we pursue the kinds of teachings or the kinds of instruction that give us an idea of what natural things I can do today to make myself acceptable to God. And I'm, what I'm saying is that it's an old covenant mentality. We, we offer our sacrifices, not, not animals, but we try to sacrifice our time or our money or our food preferences or whatever. And we, and we think that God is pleased with our attempts to obey him in the, in the, in the aspects of the Mosaic law or, or, or fasts or feasts or holy days or, or outward commands and ordinances, all that have to do with this covenant. That's not what this covenant is about. That's not what the new covenant is. These two have been divided by the cross. Uh, we think, there's another one, number two, we think that pleasing God or being a Christian is, is a question of, and this is very much like the first one, is a question of how rather than a question of who. And, and even when we begin to understand this, even when these things start making sense to our hearts, we're like, yes, that sounds right. Naturally speaking, now I know people are, the Lord's dealing with this and people here and, and, and me still too. That question of, of how. Okay, that sounds right. Now, how do I do that? Okay, forget. No, that sounds really good. How do I do that? And, and we're just so used to bringing the who back into the realm of how. And, and, and we don't realize that if only we would humble our hearts to learn the who. Who is the life of our soul? Then the who becomes everything that God considers to be how. Um, number three, we still think there's something inherently spiritual about certain places or buildings or songs or titles or functions in the Lord's body. In other words, we think that things are anointed or things, and I won't get into that a whole lot. Um, we think that the blessings and curses of God are based on obedience to natural commands in the natural realm. I mean things like business is good, I must be doing something right. Or uh, my, my teenage daughter's pregnant, I must have done something wrong. Or God is trying to, you know, that kind of thing. That's part of this relationship. That's, that was the natural physical, I don't mean the teenage daughter part, but flourishing in the natural realm was part of the physical picture of what it means to now experience life abundantly in Christ. But again, that's an old, an old covenant mindset. Uh, we live as though we are natural people 
in a natural realm, waiting for a future day when God will take us out of here to spirit land. We're waiting for things that are already here. We're waiting for things that 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 uh, we push off into the future, the things that natural eyes cannot see. But they are not future. They are just accessed by faith. They are accessed by the renewing of the spirit of the mind. They're accessed by the mind of Christ. They are now in the New Testament. They are always but now in Christ. But now in covenant was the shadow, but now in Christ is the substance. Uh, you know, there's this little thing that uh, Peter Jennings did a, uh, a guy was telling me about this. Did a, he went to Israel and he was doing some little special on back in, this is a number of years ago, but he was doing a special on uh, Jews and, and Christians in the Holy Land and he interviewed a, a, like a Baptist missionary there or something like that and a, and a, uh, and a Jewish rabbi and and uh, they they basically said the exact same thing. What, what are you guys What are you guys about? What's your What's the core of what you uh, What you're doing and what you're trying to do and what you believe? And and they both said something very similar to each other. They both said, "We're trying to keep the commands of God while we're waiting for Jesus to come, while we're waiting for the Messiah to come." Okay, something should strike us as strange about that. It's fine for the Jews to be saying that in their misunderstanding. But something has come. Jesus didn't drop off a book. Jesus didn't teach us uh, um, you know, instructions. He, he gave us his life. Uh, I have so many examples here. We are, we're, calling down, we're calling God down to our buildings. We're calling God down to our meetings. We're, we're waiting for the fire to come. We're looking for the glory to return or to come or to fall. Um, yeah, I don't want to go through all these. We're, we're, we're like the Jews of, of Jesus' day. We're primarily concerned with the outward appearance of things and not the true inward condition. Um, we're, we're wanting to be led around by the hand by God so he gives us instructions in our in our daily life rather than having the very nature of God formed in our soul by the spirit of truth we would we would rather learn how to be obedient to his words rather than be conformed to his indwelling word um, so in a nutshell uh, I, I want to wrap up here but I just want to read a couple of verses the new covenant is a new relationship. It's not a relationship that can be written in a book, although it is described um, in this book. It is a relationship of union with the resurrected Son of God. It is a, co- it is a covenant, a relationship that we begin to walk in and experience and know as the Spirit of God is, is allowed to write that covenant write the nature of the relationship on our hearts. So let me just read two prophecies, one from Jeremiah, one from Ezekiel, um, that where the Lord said all of what I just said, much better than I just said it, hundreds of years before he even brought it into being. Behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Jacob, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. 
my covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days. This is the relationship. It helps to put that word in there. Here's the kind of relationship I'm talking about, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they will not teach again, each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. They won't have to say, Here, you forgot to do this, and and this is what God likes, and don't forget that. It's not going to be like that, he says, For they will all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Uh, Ezekiel 36. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. And I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and I will, and I will cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. Just one more verse here, Second Corinthians 3.3. 3 being manifested that you are a letter of Christ, cared for by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. So all that is just to say, we're talking about two completely different kinds of relationships here. And the one, whether we keep some of the outward forms of this or not, the one is what makes sense to the natural mind, to the natural heart. The one is, is what we are naturally assuming to be our relationship with God until the other is allowed to be shown to our hearts by the Spirit of God. Okay, And then this division that we've been talking about makes the two completely opposite to one another in our, in our understanding. That's it.